Hello and hola friends. Welcome to the Medicine, Marriage, and Money podcast, the only podcast for dual physician couples who want to achieve marital interdependence and financial freedom together. In this podcast, you will learn how to show up as the best version of yourself so that you can love intentionally and build a stronger and more financially savvy relationship with your spouse. And I am your host, a physician mom, a doctor's wife, and a life coach, Dr. Kate Mangona. Welcome, bienvenidos. Please help me welcome our guest on today's episode of Medicine, Marriage, and Money, Dr. Mahesh Raja. Dr. Raja is a family physician, a creative being, a writer, a lover of stories, and an empath. She has been married for 21 years, 21, right? 21 years? Yeah. To a supportive software engineer and is the loving mother to two children, a 20-year-old son, and a 12-year-old girl. Her passion is empowering women, especially immigrant women. She's also my neighbor, which is how we met. We met through an online community, LGA, if you happen to, to know of LGA, and met out to dinner one night. So and hopefully w- this will be to-, to many more dinners in the future <laughs> as COVID dwindles and is a thing of the past. So welcome, welcome Dr. Mahesh, Dr. Mahesh Raja. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So tell us, start out by telling us like how you ended up where you are and like what's your, are you, are you practicing right now? Are you empowering women physician? What, what are you doing now? Right now I am practicing and I am in the journey of figuring out what I exactly want to do. And um, it's part financial freedom. It's part of empowering women. Um, just trying to figure things out and meeting people like you. Okay. Okay. Tell, okay. So let's just start with, with your marriage because you, know, you have a very unique situation and well, maybe not unique to everybody, I guess, depending on where you live, but here in Texas, it seems pretty unique. So tell us about how you met your husband. I met him about a week before the wedding. I had an arranged marriage. Okay. And how did you feel about that? I don't know. I was horribly scared at that time. I, I think when you're young, you're very daring, right? There's so many it's almost like doing a risky thing. Um, it was what everyone else was doing at, at that part of my life. It was what all my friends were doing. And um, it it was quite normal. So it was scary, but normal. Okay. So tell us, tell us just a little bit about the process, about how, how does an arranged marriage work and where, where were you in life? How old were you? Where were you living? Where is this normal? So I was in India. I was in a small town in India. Um, I had just finished my medical training. We call it MBBS over there. Um, I, so it's four and a half years of med school and then a year of internship. I finished it and I was trying to see what I wanted to specialize in. So preparing for exams and basically back home. And um, there would be matchmakers in the community, usually older family like people who know there's an eligible boy over there and there's this girl over here and all these um aunties that that's what their job is (laughs) so (laughs) i remember I, i mean i know that they were looking um and i remember actually my mother in law called one day 
she had come from Reading or something and was in town. And so she called about me and I was the one who picked up the phone. And I remember like, uh, she said, oh, we were talking from so-and-so's home and you know, can I talk to my, my dad or mom? And I remember going to my mother and saying, there's this really loud woman on the phone, mom. <laughs> <laughs> that's and she and then when um after she, the call was done i asked my mother like who was that and she said who knows maybe your future mother-in-law she did say that and then i i can't remember who came first i think it was my father-in-law stopped by first and then my mother-in-law they're just like checking out checking you out basically and I remember being all miffed about it. And I told my mom, I'm not going to really go and like talk. I'll say hello and I'll have to walk away. I don't really like this business of people visiting just to see you. <laughs> I, w I was 23 years old. So, um, yeah, I, I said that. And then, I don't know, it just spiraled from there. I kept thinking, well, I mean, he's not visiting anytime soon. They're talking about a guy somewhere. In, he was in Michigan at that time. So he was in he was in America, and I'm like, I'm here. I mean, this is not going to come to anything. But then he called within an hour of his father leaving there, and he sounded nice, and my father liked him. And then it just they look at horoscopes. They have all these other things that they look at. And the next thing I know, I was engaged. <laughs> okay, so was it was there anybody else that came to visit or that called on you or you called on? them like or was it just him he never came it was my father-in-law it was my mother and then my mother-in-law and then i did meet my my sisters-in-law at the engagement basically like the promise ceremony i never um I, I talked to him on the phone i saw a picture of him i actually saw a video of him because he was at his sister's wedding the year before okay so how long did it take like from the t the moment you she called you till your to your marriage probably about 3 months wow okay i know it is crazy <laughs> i i don't know how i did it <laughs> i mean the whole scope worked i mean it, it it was like a game i think when you're so young it's like just full of possible you know i don't know it was like it was actually a way to get out of home because i would never like my father was not sending me anywhere to work at that point. And this was, we have to remember, this was 21 years ago. Things have changed since. So um, I was like, well, I need to, I either have to find a postgraduate position or otherwise I'm cooped up at home. Right? And I don't want to keep waiting. And really it was a yes because I had no, nothing to say no to. Like the major things that they look at. Okay. Is he from a good family? Does he have a job? <laughs> Things like that. Okay, good family. And then at that point, so did he, what was he doing in Michigan? He was in, he was working for Chrysler. He okay. was an engineer. So he was already a software engineer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ah, yeah. okay. And then, so how many times did you speak on the phone before you met him? The phone, um, that was before cell phones, at least there. I mean, I had a, and it, it was in the middle of the living room, the telephone, so, and it wasn't even cordless, so I had to talk there. And I really didn't know him, right? You know, you don't know, know a person. You talk about, oh, what did you eat today? And you know, all the, just the small things. And 
but we didn't, you know, I had to talk in front of other people, so I didn't talk much. And calls were expensive, so in, the, in those days, calls were really expensive, so he couldn't really, like, keep calling me all the time. Yeah, I'm just imagining, I'm like imagining this golden dish, like a stool with a golden dish and this cord phone sitting there in the middle of the living room. And you walking up to it, like everybody in the family turns their head. Like, ooh, but. No, it was more like a side table right behind the door. So I was a little hidden, but not from, um, not from much. Everyone could hear me. Yeah, so I didn't talk. Basically, we didn't talk very much. And then where was your wedding? Tell me, tell us about the wedding because I've been to several Indian weddings um, that last like, you know, three, four days with 500 people. Was it like that with an elephant or a horse? With an elephant. No, uh, there was no elephant, no horse. It was a big wedding. I'm the oldest in my family. So my father was the first wedding in the family. It was big. Um, it was probably a three day, two day event. It wasn't, it wasn't a week long. There were more people at home, of course, for the week before, but nothing else. Um, I am, no, it wasn't in Michigan. It was in India. He came, he came, he came home for the wedding. Um, so that's when I met him. He basically said, now I'm the one who had all these questions. He didn't have any of those. He was like, well, you know, my mom looked for her and she must be nice and this will work out. I mean, he's always had that attitude, still has that. And uh, he just, uh, he said, I'm not going to waste a trip coming to like meet me and then come another time in a few months. He's like, I'll come for the wedding. So I'll tell you a funny story. The week before, uh, he, when he had just landed, the day after, we had to do clothes shopping for all the silk saris and things like that. So we both went. Like I went with my parents and he came with his parents and we met there and we didn't say anything to each other because it was so awkward, especially with everyone all around us and this thing, I don't know him. And then... It, he went, we went back home and then we picked up the phone and called each other because <laughs> we were more comfortable on the phone than actually in person. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, did you think he was cute? Were you, were you physically attracted to him? Mm, I can't lie. No, I, I thought he would be taller. I wanted a tall husband. <laughs> <laughs> How tall are you? I'm about 5'8". Okay. Yeah. So you're, mm -hmm. you're tall. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so yeah, is that something that, um, that grows on you? Like, I think so. Okay. I think so. I mean, I, I always think of it like, like friends, right? The first time you meet someone you care, you know, you probably have some first impressions and things like that. But then after a few times and they're your friend, then it doesn't matter what they look like. Okay, so how did it evolve? Tell us, like, was there, was it pretty smooth? I mean, it sounds like your husband's mentality is like, okay, this is going to work out. Um, was it ever rocky? Was it ever bumpy? Did you ever have any obstacles um, in your life? We are very different from each other. So, I mean, I wouldn't say obstacles. So, yes, so I got to know him more after. It, it's more... Like, you know, a friend over here put it this way, was like, it's a blind date for life, <laughs> walking into this. And I sometimes, I always think, oh my goodness, some people that I meet, I can't stand for more than five minutes. I mean, God forbid, thank God that wasn't what happened. <laughs> He's funny. 
and he makes me laugh. And that has always been it. That was, I think that was always there. And like I said, he's laid back. Um, he's been supportive. So it was figuring out life. It was just, it just happened so quickly. Like the first I got married and then three weeks later I was here in Michigan and then I had to figure out, man, uh, within a few months, within a year, I had my son. So we had a lot of um, stuff that happened to us in that first year that then you're just a team. You have to be a team to work it together. Well, that doesn't always happen to everybody, right? Some people have kids and then um, they realize that they're not <laughs> meant to be together or the, the stress, right? Having a, having a child is not exactly stressless. Stressful. I, 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 now I don't know how we did it, but we were just so young and naive about the whole thing that we just took one day at a time, I think. I also, like, you know, if I had to do it now or if I wanted, I would not want my child to do that. I think it was a, such a blind leap of faith that it's not something, I mean, I, this is what I did. And I'm, I mean, I'm telling my story because, you know, it also works. It obviously was for centuries that people did this, right? Um, so it's not always bad. People still do it. It's not always bad. It's not always good. It's just like any other marriage is kind of what I wanted to impress upon. Okay, got it. And then tell us about your, you know, the medical your medical journey. What was that like moving to Michigan? How did you get into residency or fellowship or start working and that was hard. That was really hard because him not being in medicine was hard for me. Uh, I didn't know. Uh, he didn't know much. He had one friend and one lady who told me what USMLE was, and that was about it. That was before the day of all this networking and beautiful social media and communities and forums and things like that. So I didn't have anyone. Um, I, I just like waded through the internet and tried to figure out what to do and everyone would give me contradictory things about you have to study one book at a time you have to take this many tests and um we i enrolled for uh, one of those kaplan courses and i was like okay i'm gonna do this and then we're going to we we're planning on that and then i found out i was pregnant and uh, i was like we had one car it was Michigan was like too icy and snowy for me to drive around. Um, anyways, long story short, it took me, I, I went through the pregnancy. I decided I'll do it after. I'll do the exams after. And after I had my son, I figured out I am never going to be able to do this with a baby. Like at that point, I was not able to. And I didn't want to blame my child for my lack of a career. So I, my mother took him to India. I gave my baby as a four-month-old. That was the hardest thing that we did. Wow. For how long? Eight months. He was in India for eight months. And we didn't have until he turned about, he was about 13 months by the time I went back. And I actually, I now I recognize I probably was depressed. I had some, I gained a lot of weight. I had some postpartum stuff but at that point I didn't I just shut down from everything else and studied that's the only thing I did I took all my exams the four of them within the eight month period and the day after I was done with my clinical skills I was on a plane to India to bring back him 
Okay, so so that's when you took your exams, and then you were a- a- able to enter residency. Mm-hmm. Yes, and then interview and residency. How did you navigate that now, having a one-year-old? A one-year-old. I mean, I had to go home and first um, acclimate him to me being mom and not my mom being mom. So that was hard. Then when we got him back, he missed my parents. This was before cell phones and video calls and. My dad would basically record him on CD and with a photographer and then like send it to me so that I could see him. Um, but, and so we did that. And um, once he got back, he got used to me within a month or so, but then he got sick all the time. You know how it is with littles and daycare. Um, residency was hard with being a mother was hard. But at that time, it was my husband who completely, I was not... I was there, but just tiny bits probably in the first year. Third year was better, but my, the first two years, it was all my husband who took care of him. Wow. And was he still working for Chrysler? He was still working. He had found a daycare near him, and he would drop him off in the morning and then pick him up in the evenings, and he was off on the weekends when I was working. So, Okay. And, then, and so tell me a little bit about finance in your house. Like, is this something that was assumed he did, you know, because I know you are financially savvy, like how, in, in an arranged marriage, I don't even know how that works. So who, who takes care of the bills and the investments and the savings? So um, I was never interested in it. And for the longest time, I didn't show any interest like to him. I didn't know what I would just basically get my paycheck you know, he would he would look at the accounts. I I didn't do anything, and that's one of the things that I like to I, I notice about culturally. I notice that we assume I think in general people assume that men know better about finances and money and investments and things like that, and um, it's worse in um, in cultures like mine or immigrant culture. I think we just assume that men know better, but the truth is. You know, anyone can know it if they're interested in it. Okay, so um, I didn't for the longest time. I knew what was going on. You know, they, everything was transparent, but I never like really paid attention to anything. And I assumed he knew better. Um, but then over the past few years, I've started like getting into investments and learning more. And so now the savings and investments are more me, and the bill and the bills and everything else he takes care of. Wow. Okay. And so was he the first one from his family to come over to the United States? Yes, he was. So you each were the first? Um, I grew up in Africa. So I I actually grew up in Nigeria. I wasn't um, in the United States, but I did grow up outside of the country. Oh, wait, 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 wait a second here. Okay. (laughs) Wait, I thought you were in India. I was in India. I was in India. I was born in India. I was raised in Nigeria until I was a teenager, and then I went back to India. Oh my gosh! Okay, why? Because my parents worked there. Both my parents were working at a university. They were teaching. My father was a veterinarian and in research, and he was teaching there. And my mother was a chemistry teacher. What? So, like, how did is that like something that um, is normal? I mean, how do they get that ap- opportunity? They just like to travel, or no, uh, my fa- my father was one of those um, very ambitious, very go-getting p- 
people. Um, he had actually finished his, um, he finished his BBSC, it's called his vet school in India, and then he did a PhD in France. And so after that, he had an opportunity to go travel and work in Africa, which he did. And so that's where I grew up. Okay, so ambitious family. Mm -hmm. Yes. And if you had to like get, leave any messages, right? Because empowering women, empowering immigrant women is what you, what you do now. That's what you do, um, regardless of how you do it. What, what would you say is like your, some, maybe you have one big message for, for women out there, or do you have a few? What, what are the things you, you feel strongest about that you, you share with women or immigrant women that you meet? So there's quite a few. So on, on money, I think everyone should not assume that the husband knows or uh, that men know better and they should financially educate themselves. They should know what's coming in, what can go out. And today the resources are there, so they should empower themselves financially. Um, as far as um, um, as far as the marriage itself, I think... For us, friendship and respect has worked even more than love. Um, I think friendship and respect and two very different people can make it work just if those ingredients are in the pot. So I think that's more, that's the most important thing, I think. Um, and what else? I always like to, one of my, um, I actually pulled it up, one of my friend's brother sent me a, a wedding, you know, at my wedding, he sent me a card and uh, it had this um, poem by Khalil Gibran on it, on marriage. And uh, I, I love that because I think that's what I like to impress upon people. So if you don't mind, I'm going to read it. Oh yeah, read it. Yes. So it says, love one another, but not make a bond of love. Let it rather be a moving sea between the shores of your souls. Fill each other's cup, but drink not from one cup. Give one another of your bread, but eat not from the same loaf. Sing and dance together and be joyous, but let each one of you be alone, even as the strings of a lute are alone, though they quiver with the same music. Give your hearts, but not into each other's keeping, for only the hand of life can contain your hearts. And stand together, yet not too near together, for the pillars of the temple stand apart, and the oak tree and the cypress grow not in each other's shadow. Wow. I love that. This is my thing. And I think another thing I always like to tell people, uh, tell women who, you know, if I ever like mentor anyone, is um, we should not depend on just the husband for all our emotional needs. We need sisters. We need friends. We need family. We need other people. And it's okay. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just exactly like, um, you know, when my first guest I had my show said, you know, your husband, your spouse is not your emotional vending machine. You've got needs, you're sad, you're, you're angry, you're frustrated. Maybe, maybe your husband's not the person who can solve all, all those things for you. Right. I love that. And you know, that poem, it reminded me of my question. I ask everybody on my show, which I hadn't asked you yet, what your definition of marital interdependence was and I think that like poem that's the answer yeah did you have anything else to add or we can just like insert poem here <laughs> no I, I mean insert poem here like like the oak and the cypress that's it we can be different but we can 
we can be together. We can grow, yep, not in each other's shadows. I love that. And tell me again, who wrote that poem? Khalil Gibran. Spell that for me. K-A-H-L-I-L-G-I-B-R-A-N. Okay. And what was the name of this poem? This is, uh, this just says On Marriage. On Marriage. That's beautiful. Well, I think we covered everything, Mahesh. We covered marriage, medicine, money, all of your um, empowering women. Well, not all of them, but many empowering women um, points here. So with that, is there anything else you want to add in, in terms of like parenting? Um, I mean, you, you said you're not going to do this for your children and you've got a 20 year old son. So are they, I mean, is he out there dating? <laughs> I'm sure he is. <laughs> I mean, that's a normal thing to do. I would want him to. (laughs) And does he live with you or does he live on his own? He lives on campus, but he's in town. So he shows up every time he misses my food. Ah, okay. Okay. Makes sense. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming, Dr. Mayesh. Thank you. This was fun. Thank you. This was such a pleasure. And, you know, I will see you out again, whether we meet in Addison or Flower Mound or Dallas. Sure. We're looking forward to it. You take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Oh my gosh, what a lovely interview with the sweet Dr. Mahesh Raja. That was so lovely. So let's go over my three big take-home points from Dr. Raja. Number one, sometimes not necessary to love in order to have a successful relationship. What? Oh my gosh. I never thought that would be a take-home point. Love does not have to be in the equation, Mahesh tells us. What does need to be in the equation? Well, without love, you need to have respect and friendship. And maybe the love grows, right? Maybe it intensifies as the months, as the years go by. And what what is the real lesson out of this that we we as I, I'm I'm thinking a majority of the people out there listening to me right now are probably in love marriages or love relationships of some sort, and maybe not arranged. Maybe a few. You'll have to let me know. So what what are the love marriages get out of this? Well. I think that if you've fallen out of love, quote unquote, if you're no longer in love and you're wondering what that means, you're wondering whether you should stay or whether you should go, the question becomes, are you guys still friends? You know, oftentimes we say, well, just like living with my roommate, There's no love. There's no spark anymore. Well, did you know that you can go create that spark? That you can go find the love again? That you can create it, define it? Is it just friendship now? And then respect. Is there abuse? Okay, that doesn't sound too respectful. The two people respect each other. Friendship and respect can equal an amazing marriage. Whether you want to awaken 
the fire within the relationship is up to you. Number two, empower yourselves financially. Don't sit back, especially if you're a woman. Don't just assume the man's going to take care of it. And you all know this. You've heard this a million times. If you've listened to my podcast before, and if you haven't, you're hearing it now. Many people assume and many cultures. And I mean, still, I, I still think this is prevalent in the mirroring culture that the, the man is going to take care of the finances. They're going to pay the bills. They're going to make the investments. They're the better one with spreadsheets. And, you know, not always, right? Like, what is it? What is it? Math, scientists. They're not always men. Look at us. Look at us women physicians. We're taking over the world. Dr. Mahesh says, you don't need to be a man. <laughs> I was going to say something else. You don't need to have a, in order to be good at finances. You just have to have an interest. Hmm. Okay. So how can you spark the interest? Do you want to? Number three, and this one was beautiful. I loved that poem. Dr. Mahesh read to us on, um, on marriage, on marriage, like this oak and the cypress. Okay. So what I really took out of this poem from, by, uh, Kahil Gibran, and I'm going to read you that line. I'm going to read you the last paragraph. Actually, there's three paragraphs. The last one, give your hearts but not into each other's keeping for only the hand of life can contain your hearts and stand together yet not too near together for the pillars of the temple stand apart and the oak tree and the cypress grow not in each other's shadows. Oh my gosh. I don't know why I've never seen this poem before, but it's just absolutely gorgeous. Like if you're a temple together, you and your spouse, you'll need pillars, right? You guys will each be the pillar. You can't be standing right next to each other all the time. <laughs> That's what my husband would tell. We can't both do everything together all the time. We're in a marriage. We're holding up the temple. And if one is the oak tree and the other is the cypress, we cannot grow in each other's shadow. We may be together, but not in each other's shadow. So where are you living? Are you living in your spouse's shadow? Are you living, is your spouse living in your shadow? Or are you together, the cypress and the oak? And that is it, my friends. I hope you walk away asking yourself, does my marriage include friendship, respect, and love? And if not, how do I create it? Do I depend on my hubby to do all the financial things? How do I create an interest in finance? What role do I wish to play 
in my children's future relationship. Do I want to be a matchmaker? And you know, you know, <laughs> we don't necessarily do that in our American culture. However, I, I know of some moms and some dads who like to think they have the say. They like to think they are the matchmaker. And this is okay, right? If everyone's in agreement. I don't know. You decide. What role do I want to play in my children's future relationships? And if you learned anything from this episode, please go share it with the world. Post it on Facebook, Instagram, retweet, <laughs> tweet it, post it on LinkedIn, Instagram, um, any of those, any of those avenues. So somebody else can come and listen to Medicine, Marriage and Money and maybe even save their marriage or save their relationship with their best friend or their mother-in-law or their father-in-law or their children. Pay it forward. Leave me a review on iTunes so that other people are more likely to see it and subscribe. And if you like what you're learning here and you are feeling stuck in your relationship, you want to feel more connected, you want more clarity, you want that deeper love and connection, you want to stop arguing, you want to stop wasting your time ruminating, wishing you, they were different, wishing you could change your spouse to fit into the mold of your life because that would make you feel better, less resentful. If that's you, reach out because my clients get results. They get, they feel connected. That's what they're here for. They find clarity. Y'all, I've had people find clarity on the discovery call, the first 45 minutes. So you can book with the link I provide in the show notes or go to my Instagram, my bio, and uh, let me know. I would love to help change your life and your relationship for the better forever. I am on a mission and I hope you are too, my friends, to love deeper and greater and stop wasting your time and energy fighting. So much love to you and your spouse. And remember to join me over on Facebook at Medicine, Marriage, and Money. That is the Facebook group for anybody, Medicine, Marriage, and Money. And 39.6 Community, my husband's finance Facebook community. Bye-bye now. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional, medical, or financial advice. The opinions provided on this podcast are those of myself or the invited guest alone. They do not represent the opinions of any particular institution. Always seek the advice of your physician or financial advisor with any questions you may have of a medical condition or financial plan. This is for your entertainment only.